So what we got today? What's going on today? Well, I mean, our topic is family ties the bind. I'm really excited about that. Um, it came to, when I thought about the topic, you know, the first thing that I thought about was just Abraham, you know, Abraham, for some reason, has always been like the first fallback person I think about when I look at family issues. And not to say that he had family issues per se, but the, the, the mere fact that the Lord chose this man and upon choosing him, he called him out from his family. Um, that in itself let me knew, know that there were ties that bound him in order for God to do some things in his life in order to say that I want to bless you mm. specifically. I'm not trying to bless the rest of your family members. Um, mm. I, I need to bless you. I want to bless you and make your name great and make you a nation and do some things for you and in you. Um, and so without knowing the context, some people will hear that and be like, well, dang, like, why did the Lord just like, what's wrong with his dad and what's wrong with his people, you know, but like, that's why you would need to know more of the situation and the family history and stuff like that. And so without getting into too much depth, um, just knowing where they came from, you know, they were living in basically Babylon and Babylon was the place and the capital of like idolatry and, and pagan worship. And so for God to know who he chose before the foundation of the world and to know that he had this man and this family and this, this family was a pagan family and a pagan nation. Um, he knew that he wanted to choose him from that point. And so, um, I always looked at that because in real life, which that was real life too, but current life, I mean, um, we see that all the time where people can come from families who didn't serve God, didn't know God, didn't want to know God, um, didn't want to love God. And one person out of that family will choose the Lord, hmm. but it's only because God chose us first, right? Like we can never choose him without him having chosen us first. And right. so um, that is what kind of really brought that to me. And for many years early on in ministry, like, you know, it would be something I would use to help people when they had challenges with their family, because a lot of times people, you know, they can be cool with family members and everything while they were not saved. But the minute they get saved, like all kinds of the havoc breaks out, like mm -hmm. division, arguments, discord. Yeah. There's just so much stuff because now you're getting accused of being different because you're in church now. And, oh, you know, you always go and talking about the Lord now and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. All since you started walking with the Lord before I was walking with the Lord, everything was all, all good. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was drinking. I was clubbing. I was fornicating. I was doing everything under the sun. And you didn't care nothing about what I was doing at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Had no problems with me. But as soon as I had turned my life around you know, now all of a sudden there's issues and division where really, you know, you should be happy for me. You should be supportive. Like this is a change for the better. And yet you're making my life worse because of a decision for good. Like, so that was really what, what came to my mind when I first, you know, this topic came to my head, like, man, family times, I, I personally feel a connection with that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's deep. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I think that last part you said was, was probably key. Um, and how I, I look at that is, um, you know, we were cool, you know, up until that point, mm -hmm. I made a change. And I think that change is 
kind of what you're saying is is what started that separation and it's we are no mm-hmm. longer unified because we have a difference of opinion now um, right <laughs> and so you know if, if we're, we're thinking about what other family ties that bind i think the first one would be unity and it's that you know as long as we're in step together there ain't gonna be no opposition everything is cool we, we can we can walk and we know that we're on the same agenda we know how we think everything is straight mm-hmm. and as soon as there's a deviation of that that's when we start to find that we're no longer in step with one another and so the only way for them to respond is like, oh, you ain't the same. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. Like you said, even though that was a good change, like I don't, I'm not right. I'm saying I didn't make that change. So therefore we're now in, in disunion because of that. So it's an, it's an unfortunate thing um, that, you know, family can't learn to look past what would be considered a difference. Um, even when that's mm-hmm. a change that's for the better. Yeah, that's true. And what you said about unity is true because in Amos chapter three, verse three, it says, can two walk together except they be agreed. Hmm. And so obviously we were walking together in agreement. You know, you're living your life. I'm letting you live your life. I'm living my life and you're letting me live my life. And so we're kind of in agreement with the lifestyles that we live. And now that I don't agree with your lifestyle anymore and you don't agree with my lifestyle anymore. And now there's conflict and all this stuff here. And so you know, along with that, um, people want to keep you where you were before because they're like, I remember what you were. I remember, you know, how you were before that. And so, you know, in order to keep you being there or to keep you from, um, you know, or in their way of just however it is to keep themselves um, okay with the fact that you guys don't see on the same lines, they don't want to accept that. And so, um, Joshua 24. As for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. You know, it's a decision that you have to make. At one point, you know, early on as kids, maybe households didn't serve the Lord together because your parents didn't choose to serve the Lord. Maybe that was not their declaration for their homes. Um, But I do remember, you know, reading about Abraham too. There was a point when the Lord said about him, he was like, I know that he's going to command his children and his household to follow me and keep my ways. And so for Joshua to later say, like, as for me and my house, whatever seems evil for you, if you, if it's evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose who you're going to serve, do what you want to do. But as for me in this house, we're going to serve God. And so you're basically making a declaration of unity under your own household to say like, this is what we're going to, um, to follow in this house. Um, the difference is, is as we grow and outgrow our household, then at that point, you know, people begin to choose not to serve the Lord or, go their own ways and so at that point like I said Abraham was already old at that point but he said I need you to get from your family and your in their household I need you to get out of that country and go somewhere else where I'm going to tell you to go so I can bless you there I don't want them to be attached to the blessing I'm going to do for your life because they're not um, obviously what you need as far as good for you so just because we're related does not mean that you're good for me. You're a good influence. Your presence is, is valuable to my life. You know, you're, you're, you add something of value, unfortunately, because a lot of times it's not the case. So. Hmm. And that's a good point that you mentioned about, um, you know, getting away from your household. Um, (laughs) And this is probably something that people maybe overlook in that story of Abraham. Um, He was actually told to go by himself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he took a lot, you know what I'm saying? Uh, (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, that that's a good segue into, you know, leaving one. If we're talking about a spiritual sense, you know, you you we're talking about our old life going into a new life. You know, Second Corinthians says that we're now a new creation. So 
we're now kind of disassociating with one manner of life and moving into a new one. So understanding the family ties and, and that disunity, um, it would be key to understand that we would need unity now walking into this new body, because I think you said it um, accurately, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And, and so knowing that this is a decision that us as a household is now adopting, and now we're going into a new mindset, our mission should be aligned with the family of God. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when we cross over into God's family, it is a new headship, right? A new uh, way of being. So it's almost like in a, in a natural household, like whatever your father's rules were, like that's the rules of the house. And so now that we're in God's kingdom and under his headship, his rules and his mission is what we should be following under the lines of. So in his house, you know, he wants us to serve the Lord. And so we're spiritually in his house. And so we should be aligning ourselves with his mission. The more that we um, learn about what his mission is and learn about what his ways are, again, how can two walk together unless they agree? So how can we even walk with the Lord unless we agree with him? And a lot Mm -hmm. of times I hear people that love the Lord, but don't agree with his ways, but you love him and you're walking with him, right? I don't see that working out very well. You love me, you should keep my commandments, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, reminded of Ephesians 2, um, you know, where it talks about, um, you know, that unity. Um, and it says, you know, it might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Um, and then uh, verse that was verse 16. And then verse 19 says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So mm-hmm. we have to realize that we are a family, you know. There could be disagreements. You know, we, we talk about a natural family. There's always going to be disagreements, arguments, you know, all those little things. Um, you know, we kind of joked about sibling rivalry earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the thing that we have to understand is we're still family at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. those little things happen, but it doesn't mean just because we disagree that we're disunified. You know, there, there's still a way to be unified, even though you don't agree with somebody. And, and that's, I think, understanding what the purpose is um, and how to go about having unity. That's true. But I think, too, when you add to that, like the Bible talks about reasoning together. And I don't really see a lot of reasoning together. I see a lot of argumentation, um, just division, discord, emotion, flailing feelings. You know, it's not it's not um, sensible reasoning together. And that's really where you can get common ground. That's how you can be a peacemaker, you know, pursuing peace with all people reasoning together in a reasonable sense of character and conduct and approach so yeah that is actually a deep (laughs) i I love that because when you think about james uh you know i i love james um and (laughs) he, he talks about that um you know um the fact that when we're disunified and we're arguing, we have that sort of personality. Right. Um, that's actually demonic. <laughs> you know yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's beautiful, especially, you know, as we, we talk about the family of God and the body of Christ, that it's important, you know, we're, we're in, you know, this election year and we just had, you know, an inauguration and we, we know all of the, the specifics about that. Like I won't, I won't get into that, but it's amazing how even in the family of God, like that's the thing we get hostile about. Like yes. we'll, we'll, you know, I remember growing up, like you couldn't talk about my mama, you know, that, that caused a fight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we always have this one thing where it's like, we'll get up in arms about, um, and we're willing to like go to the teeth for something carnal 
Whereas when it comes to the things that we should be protecting, which is, you know, like Jude says, you know, to contend for the faith, Come on. Like we're not willing to, to, to reason and, and be like, Hey, like we're on the same team. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, you know, I love basketball. Like we're both, you know, jumping up, getting the rebound. If you six, six inches taller than me, I'm going to let you get that rebound. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm fall back or, or you say, Hey, my ball, you know, and, and, and we back up. Like, we have to get to a point where we realize like we both want the same thing. Like if you get the ball, or I get the ball. We have, our team has the ball. You know what right. I'm like we have to get to that point where we're understanding, like if we're not on the same team or if, if I'm arguing with you, neither one of us wins. Like that's what we mm-hmm. have to understand. It's like, nobody's winning by us biting each other's head off. And so I, I think that unity should help us to understand that if we're not reasoning, what are we getting at? You know, no one's winning, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, right. the devil's winning, but as, as far as our team, like we lost. Yeah. So you're talking about unity and mindset, right? And so along with that in Colossians 3, it talks about setting your mind um, on things above and not on things on the earth. And so part of that, um, what made me think of what you were just talking about was how it talks about in Romans 12, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way that any person is going to be transformed mentally and your mind renewed is through the word, receiving the word, hearing the word, meditating on the word, reading the word, just like feeding yourself and fueling yourself with the word and not being a forgetful reader. You know, you can't just read the Bible app. You can't just do your, you know, daily scripture and think like you read the word, like you need to be meditating on something that will be deposited in your spirit that will, you know, come back to your remembrance later on for spiritual, mental, physical edification, like you need that. And so um, if the church does not renew your mind, you going to a church service does not renew your mind. You're, you're not being transformed by hearing what you hear when you go to a Bible study or anything like that. Like you're supposed to do that. And that's great. However, it's on you to renew your mind. That's why it said for you to set your affection on things above, because you, you have the option you're fed every day with all types of news, all types of media. And this is stuff you're choosing. Like I choose to set my mind on social media today. I choose to set my mind on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I set my mind on the news, CNN, NBC. I set my mind on whatever political figures are posted, whatever they want to post and talk about today. Like you're choosing to set your mind on things that are on the earth when you do those things in those moments. But when we set our mind on the things above, um, it gives us that heavenly mindset and the mindset that God wants us to have, which would enable us to have that James, like what you're talking about um, sensibility so that we don't have those demonic and sensual um, ways when we're approaching people and being argumentative and all those other type of things. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I, I think we need to preach on that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, go do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, with, I'm rolling with you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm a wordsmith. So, and I know you like words too. So, of course. Uh, let's let's just cross reference for a second. So, we're talking mm-hmm. about Colossians 3 and Romans 12. So, yes. Just, I mean, and and they're super popular, super cliche verses. I mean, everybody who has been saved for for some amount of time probably has heard these at some point in time. Right. So, not saying you have to have memorized, but you, you probably know what time it is when we, when we go there. So let's just, with that understanding, let's, let's go there. So I'm just going to just wordplay. So it says, I beseech you, therefore, forgive me, I'm in the King James, mm-hmm. by the mercies of God that you present your body. So present. So you, you, you 
you're going to showcase something. Right. The first thing that it says is to present your body a living sacrifice. So sacrifice, it's not a sacrifice unless you have to give up something that you don't want to give up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, can we take it there? Like, I'll, please, I'll, I'll please do. Please do. <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about like when we do yard sales, I ain't selling my J's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, can we be real? Like, right. Like, it's not a sacrifice for me to give up something I was already trying to throw away. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? That's true. We be, trying, we be trying to do that with God. Like, okay, God, like, you can have these little leftovers. You wasn't trying to eat it anyways. You got it in the first day. So, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, we be trying to do that without understanding, like, we're not sacrificing. So, we're going to yeah. talk about being a little sacrifice. That means the things that pleasure me, I have to be able to pursue Christ and present Christ right. my best. Which means when you get to verse two, and we're not even there yet, but I mean, it says holy, yeah. which we, we know means set apart, right. acceptable unto God. Not what you thought was acceptable, but it's yes. God. Yes. And, and we know going back to, to Genesis, you know, Cain and Abel, you know what I'm saying? Like right. he was not pleased. They both sacrificed, right? They both mm-hmm. gave offerings, but one was not a sac- an acceptable sacrifice. Sure. Why wasn't it? Because to him, it was his best, but that was not what God thought was better. So come on, my we have brother. to get to the point like, on. we understand, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about us. Like if God says, present yourself a sacrifice, like what is a sacrifice to you? Like really think about what it is that you'd have to give up in order to be a sacrifice. And then verse two says, be transformed, which means whatever your thought was, you're now having to have to conform to the mind of Christ. And if you're not willing to do that, then I, I think you can't even get to Colossians 3, which says, if then, like you got to stop there. <laughs> if, you know what I'm saying? Like, it says, if you have, which means, it implies Ooh. that you have been raised with Christ. <laughs> so if then, yes, sir. It's like one of those books where at the bottom, like you have to. If you want to do this, go to page so and so. If then, go back to Romans twelve. Like don't Lord even entertain Colossians three until you have done Romans twelve. You know what I'm saying? Lord <laughs> like, so, Jesus. So it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Like that's a command. That ain't like a. It's optional. It's because you have been raised with Christ, you have to seek things that are above. Yeah, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So yeah, I mean. I mean, I hate to get that technical, but it's like at some point, like we have to get to the understanding of like we're running in circles. And until we get to the mindset of like, I still have my own mindset and I'm not unified and aligned to Christ's mindset. Think about if the whole church had the mind of Christ, we wouldn't be beefing. You know what I'm saying? Because we realize like he has the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ, which means we would be thinking the same way. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It wouldn't be my agenda and your agenda. It's it's Christ's agenda. And we're both submitting to that. You know what I'm saying? My God. So can I add another reference on your Romans? Might need to make one of those little books that (laughs) that might be pretty clever. (laughs) So I just want to add Isaiah 55 because um, you're still talking about the thoughts and, you know, being acceptable to God, not acceptable to us. So this came to me when you were talking about that. Um, Isaiah 55 and 8, because it says, for my thoughts are not your mm. thoughts, neither mm. are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Mm. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So mm. again, I'm God. So the way <laughs> I think is not the way you think out here, okay? No mm. matter how great or grand or how many accolades, Nobel Prizes, no matter who else co-signs to you on this earth, your greatest thinker and thought person is not greater than God's thought, okay? Mm. And so your ways and how you see it and how whoever else sees it are not the Lord's way, right? 
Because he said, I am the way. <laughs> no matter what you do, no matter how you spend, no matter what you're trying to do, I am the way. So either way you look at it, my way is always going to be greater and higher than yours, period. Okay? So then he says, as the heavens are higher than earth, can you reach heaven? Even when you're in an airplane and you're flying up there, it's still higher than that. Yep. Okay? <laughs> so when I'm sitting in a flight and I'm looking down and I'm taking pictures of the, of the clouds through the window seat, right? His, hot, his thoughts are higher than where I'm at on that airplane. Mm. And my thoughts ain't even as high as me sitting in that airplane mm. when I'm on the ground, okay? <laughs> so that in wow. itself should tell you we need the mind of God. Mm. And the only way to get the mind of God in his thoughts is through reading, hearing, accepting, receiving, believing, and following, adhering to his word, mm. period. We have to agree with what he says. If we are going to come into his kingdom, how dare we think that if he is the savior of our soul and we are coming to him to save us and we say that we want eternal life, and we want to live with him in heaven. Um, that means that we believe in his way, right? We're mm -hmm. followers of the way. So if I don't know all the way and what that means when I first sign up for this, but I learn it by reading the fine print, which is the whole Bible. Um, yes. I learn it day by day, as much as I put into it, as much as I'm going to get out of it. So the more I learn, the more I figure it out, the more I start seeing things and we always grow. So it's not like I'm going to be a hundred years old and feel like I've arrived. I will still be on this earth. If the Lord allows me to see a hundred, I'm going to still be in this book trying to figure it out and learn mm -hmm. more and grow more. Um, but the point is he said, meditate in a day and night and you'll always have success. You'll always yeah. be prosperous in all you do. As long as you keep this book in your sight and in your mind, he's always going to bless you according to following his ways. So the point is, we just have to have our minds trained by the word. We have to. Yeah. You see something that you were not complying with at first, and you're like, dang, like, okay, I got to get myself together. I got to start doing that, or I got to stop doing that. Whatever it is, once you come across, that's what it is. What do you think? How do you think we turn from sin? I mean, if you even read the verse before that in uh, 55 and 7, it says, let the wicked forsake his way. Were you yeah. not wicked at one point in time? Yes, you were. Was I not wicked at one point in time? Yes, I was. And the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. I mean, that's the main reason why the Lord destroyed the earth, because the thoughts of man's were continually wicked. So not only were you thinking continually wicked, they were doing the things that they thought of. Because yeah. <laughs> in Matthew, he said that these things proceed from uh, the heart of man, evil thoughts. And evil thoughts then begin to produce evil actions and evil deeds. So but let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord because God will have mercy on you. You don't got me out of my chair already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, no, no, I just no, want to no, add no, that, no, I just no, want to no, add that. No, I'm glad you added that. Uh, so it allowed me time to go back to Romans 12 uh, and pose this question. So presenting a sacrifice, when you think of the word sacrifice, what does that normally uh, relate to in, in scripture? Um, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, and death, right? Right. So in order to be a sacrifice, something had to die. Correct. <laughs> so Colossians 3 going back to that, if then you've been raised with Christ, verse three says, for you have died. <laughs> <laughs> and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So <laughs> going back to what you just said, we are no longer our own. So if our, our thoughts are not God's thoughts, 
we have to sacrifice our thoughts <laughs> you know right because we have to get to the place where we're able to say okay god like i'm willing to be transformed by renewing my mind to your mind by thinking the way that you think by setting my mind on things above not on things that are on the earth which is carnal and fleshly and me you know what i'm saying like yeah that's what i want to think about that's what i want to focus on but it's not about me anymore because i have died and my life is now hidden with christ and god so i have to be able to reflect and showcase christ not my own agenda and if i'm not doing that then that means i have a lot of sacrificing to do so i'm a, i'm gonna tag this last one and and then i'll be done with that i'll be done with that <laughs> i promise so when you're talking about sacrificing thoughts okay second corinthians 10 it says um from three though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god to pulling down strongholds and this is the kicker, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God mm-hmm. and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yes. So <laughs> that means that we have to arrest ourselves. OK, we have to bring those thoughts into captivity. So true enough. I mean, there's things that bombard us and that we are not necessarily control in control of that come our way to like the arrows that, you know, fly towards our mind that are like thoughts that get planted, but it is up to you what you do with those thoughts. You can entertain it or you can shut it down. And so mm-hmm. right here, he is giving us. Well, I mean, since you're requesting, okay, <laughs> having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience uh, when <laughs> your obedience is fulfilled. Yes. <laughs> I'm, my, I'm dropping the mic now. I'm done. <laughs> Let the Lord speak. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. See, I mean, I grew up in a church where they used to say, Lord, let the Lord have his way. Mm-hmm. I don't think we want the Lord to have his way <laughs> or we didn't really understand what that meant. Because, <laughs> because when we say, Lord, have your way, like, <laughs> I mean, I think just something you say when gospel music is going on and you're just letting the spirit move. Like, you're, you're really saying, like, Lord, have your way, which means your ways. <laughs> yes. My ways. So Come if I'm on. saying, Lord, have your way, that means I'm having to submit my ways to your ways. Mm-hmm. Do we know what we say when we speak? Or are we just speaking just because we think it's cool to say those things? That's like, what I honestly <laughs> think it is, to be real with you. I really do. I think people say stuff just to say stuff. And I'm just like, that's another reason why I'm such a lover of words, though, because I really endeavor to really be mindful of what I'm saying, um, because I want to make sure that what I'm saying, at least I try to say what is intentional and meaningful you know because I mean when you think about like even just music right let's just go off of that music with lyrics secular or non-secular there's always a connection to the song that has nothing to do with the words Hmm. you're just connected to the sound and so how many times and I can say for myself like before Christ there was so much stuff that I used to listen to um and my stuff was back then like alternative and rock whatever like that so there was stuff that I would listen to at that point in time I like the sound of it okay Mm -hmm. so the sound trained me to recall what the words were but I really didn't have the words memorized without the sound Mm -hmm. so away from the 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 
the music and the instrumentation, I probably could not have told you what the song said. So I really had no idea what I was singing when I'm singing these songs along with these artists back at that time. Fast forward, I get saved and I hear a song from that era, right? When I'm out in a store because the stores play music when you're out and about or maybe someone's car is driving by and they have it on in their vehicle or whatever and you hear the song come back. Now you actually hear the lyrics. You're not listening to the sound. Like you recognize mm -hmm. the sound because that is like, oh, I remember that. But now you hear the words. And I was like, Lord Jesus, what was I saying? Right. Yep. And so I'm saying that. How does this relate to the people of God? Because we are in services week to week, month to month, and we're singing songs in worship and our hearts are disconnected from the words we're saying. We're just singing it because the words are on the screen or it's just something y'all sing every week. So you just know the words to it. But your heart is not connected to the actual words that you're supposed to be actually declaring and praising and really meaning from your heart to God. Wow. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that's that's fact because, <laughs> I mean, I can relate to many a times where I heard a beat and within three seconds, there's not even been a word spoken. I'm like, yes, I'm on that. And mm -hmm. can we truly declare that we don't go to worship settings where, man, the band sounds great, you know what I'm saying? And it ain't mm -hmm. because of anything they said, but because the drummer was on point, you know what I'm saying? The keyboard was doing his little thing, you know what I'm saying? Guitar was, right. was killing. Not a word was spoken, which means the message had nothing to do with the fact that you felt blessed of God in that setting. Right. So if we can get away from the noise, which I believe is, is kind of the, the next point of, of unity, is that our message, we have to identify in unity with the message. Because how many Christians are, are walking into a, a, a church setting and relating to like, oh man, worship was terrible. What did you hear what they said? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like if we if we heard the message, like you can't you can't say the message was terrible. You know what I'm saying? If you heard yeah. the words, but because it didn't identify with your genre, now you're you're bashing a church setting because it didn't fit you. But if you can identify with the words, the words are what brings life. And I had that mm -hmm. issue when I first got saved is I love rap music. I mean I love music in general, but for me what I listened to when I went to church didn't sound like what I listened to when I was in the world. So for me, like, I was like, I can't vibe with that. But as soon as I actually made a heart change, mm -hmm. the music sounded different. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't that the band did anything differently. It was that I had to renew myself. So I can't tell the band, hey, play better and I'll like you. You know what I'm saying? It's your message is what I, what has to penetrate my spirit, not you playing well. Because there's there's not, the spirit is not connected specifically to how you sound that's just noise, right you know and so we have to get away from the noise and hear the message yeah man that, that's that's good right there <laughs> and another layer to the the part about the message though is how are we really um internalizing the message though like even if we hear and receive the message you know in that moment is it really planted and rooted is it are we literally like taking it or is it like the parable of the sower you know because we fall under one of those all of us fall under one of those mm, yeah. as soon as you hear the word and you walk away from that church service do you even remember if someone were to ask you in the parking lot what was the, the message of the service about not even worship like what did the pastor preach about like man was that wasn't that a good message can you tell me like what what was his subject like what scripture did he use do you remember the message at all so how are you what kind of hearer are you really, you know, because that really makes a difference when it comes to the things of God, because again, that 
I think we talked about this at one point, you know, when you think about the kingdom of God in its simplicity, simplicity, it's hearing, receiving and obeying. Hmm. So you're either not hearing, you're not receiving or you're not obeying. So which one are you doing? Did you hear and not receive it? Did you receive it, but not obey it? Like, where are you in that, that you are not being fruitful in your walk with the Lord? Yeah, and that, that's good right there because I, I think about the anticipation and the expectancy of what happens when you go to church. So let's say you're not a note taker, but you go into a service and, and you're saying, okay, there's going to be a message, there's going to be worship, there's going to be some level of response that you would assume is supposed to come from the hearer, right? So unless you're deaf, you can't say you didn't hear, right? Right. <laughs> so the, ex- the expectation is that you're either now at the point of reception or obedience, right? Just like you said. So if you're going into a service without any understanding of like, okay, I need to do something with this or I need to hear to be able to apply. Like you should go into every service assuming that there should be some instruction that you're given, some charge, some challenge in some respect, which means you should walk into that service being willing to and ready to receive, but walking out of the service ready to obey. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And John Maxwell, I believe, has has a quote that says that if you hear a Sunday sermon and you don't respond within three days, you probably won't. Wow. So you have to get to the point where you're like, okay, like, what am I doing on Sunday? What is my response and what is my role to Sundays? It's not just to hear. Like, you didn't just go to just show up because it's like when you go to school, like, your response, your responsibility is to take notes because at some point you're going to be tested on that. It's not mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm just here filling up a day because I have to be here 180 days out of the year. So I'm just here for another day. Like you have to get to the place where like I'm here because I have to get something out of this. So if you came to church with that same mindset, then you're going to leave the church with that same motivation. And that's where you're able to have a unity of mission and, and mindset is that, hey, I came unified in hearing a message that is going to challenge me to do something. Now I know that I have a purpose. I can leave with more of, of an obedience to that that purpose. So, um yeah, I mean, it's really just going back to basics because I, th- I think we try to overcomplicate the faith, and it's not. Right. I mean, we, we're we're here chopping up messages or sermons or or verses that we've heard probably fifty times, um, depending mm-hmm. on how long we've been saved. But we've heard these messages, and so if that's the case, but it hasn't done anything, what will help you to do it differently the next time? And that's recognizing that hey, like I should be doing something with this. First of all, so that's our part, and secondly, is allowing the Spirit to do His part by us being receptive to that. Yeah, what you said was really good because I think people need to realize that that's what faith is about. You know, when we go to services, as often as you go, whether it's multiple times a week, one time a week, however often you are in the word on your own or corporately, the whole purpose of you um, setting yourself before receiving and uh, consuming the word and being fed by by the word is for you to be tested at some point later. Um, That's the whole point of your entire scholastic process from kindergarten Mm -hmm. until you graduate college, doctorate, whatever level, whenever you finish your scholastic uh, pursuits, right? You're constantly going to be given assignments and tests. And that's the very same thing when it comes to faith. And it's no different. The thing is, you know, most times that's not what gets you in the kingdom that's not what you sign up for you sign up because you hear god is good you hear all these other things about you know jesus he died for you he loves you you can go to heaven you won't go to hell 
all these other things, right? But then once you agree and you come in, that's why we say the fine print, we start reading like the packets, you know, the fine print after we sign up. And that's when we start learning all the other things and seeing uh, later in the New Testament where um, even though they did it in the old, but uh, Peter often talked about how we would be tested and tried and all these things. James talked about the trial of our faith. And so all of them talked about our faith being tested and your faith really isn't proven until it's tested. And so how can you prove that you are proficient with the word that you receive if you're not tested on that word, which there again, the parable of the sower comes back into play because some of those people fell away once they were tried by the word. Um, so it's something that they have to understand that whether you're going through a thing that the word that you're hearing at that moment is applying to right at that moment, um, it will be coming if you haven't already went through it. So it's preparatory if it's not current situation. A lot of times, you know, for a lot of us, you know, sometimes early on in our walk or even before we got saved, that's what got us in the first place because we were in a service or we heard something that was really applying to what we were going through in life right at that moment. Boom, that's what the word is for. Or um, you remember having been at a service um, or a study and this was something that came up during that study. And then a couple weeks later or a couple months down the line, boom, that scenario pops up in your life. But remember, God had already told you some things that would equip you for this before you got here. So that's part of our process. And God just is, is really trying to help us. Again, you know, in Timothy, it talks about what the word is for. <laughs> Instruction and righteousness, preparation, that we can be thoroughly furnished um, for, the, for the work of God. Yeah. And then uh, James, you know, he says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So, I mean, it, it's for a purpose. It, it's for an intended goal. And again, Isaiah 55, you know, we don't know why, um, you know, we like to look at the natural and say, man, this hurts. I don't want this. And we try to discard it. But, you know, if we can have the mindset of, OK, God, what do I need to learn in this process? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we just we have to change our, our, our thinking and it all comes down to our mind. You know, we are, like you said earlier, our thoughts then produce actions. And so if we have a wrong thought it will produce an incorrect action or an incorrect um, mindset to how we look at these things. So, right. man, super good, super good. Mm-hmm. So we can agree that um, one of the family ties that bind is unity. Um, I would say probably the second thing um, is love, um, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, the fact that we're, you mentioned Abraham was chosen by God. So now what would unify us with Christ? What would bind us to Christ and, and keep us in that family is, you know, it says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right. So right. that love results in obedience, intimacy and trust. And so that has to create an action um, to how we live. You know, if we're going to say that um, we're committed to this faith, then we have to be able to defend that. Uh, we have to be able to say that, hey, this is what I represent, just like a team. You know, if, if I worked for for Pepsi, I'm not going to drink Coca-Cola, right? You know, if right. I played for the Cowboys, I'm not going to be rooting for the Raiders, right? I mean, so we understand that by us being connected to something that we have to represent that um, and show our allegiance to that. Um, and so I, I think unity could be shown through how we love God and how we love other people. Yeah. So my first thought when I think about this point of love and loving God, I mean, you definitely hit it on the head. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. But um, 
in addition to that, I think about the disciples, you know, he was always talking to them about, um, there was a point in Matthew 10 where he specifically said, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves Mm -hmm. their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so again, that brings me back to Abraham because again, he's calling this man to leave his, his family and his father's household to go somewhere on his own with his wife and, you know, go somewhere where he is going to lead him to. So that in itself, you know what I mean? In real uh, current times, you know, people in that situation, if the Lord were to call you to leave your family because, hey, they're evil. Hey, they're not, you know, for whatever reason, God has his reasons. He has his ways. But if, if God is saying like, this is my plan for you and I need you to leave this um, place, leave and go here and do this thing. Um, for those who are connected emotionally to their family. And I'm saying this because in the past I've, I've witnessed this. Mm-hmm. Um, they're emotionally connected. They feel obligated. Um, that is a tie that would bind as far as restrain or restricting them. Like it would be a limitation for what God has um, in their life because they love their father, mother, family, brother, sister, child more than God. Mm-hmm. And so really anytime you have that situation, that's when you have now placed an idol in your life of that family member above God. Um, so when he's saying this, Abraham really at, exemplified that because not only did he do that in obedience, but he also, um, when he was asked to sacrifice the son of promise, you know, he, he went forth. And like you said, it was a sacrifice because it wasn't like he said, give me Ishmael, mm. you know, like <laughs> he said, <laughs> give me Isaac, the son that you love. Uncle He's like, all right, I'll give you. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 that's not Sarah's son. So yeah, I mean, I'll give you Ishmael. That'll probably be easy for him. He said, give me Isaac, the son that you love, the one that I promised, you know, all these things through. And again, I have to, I always go back to like the faith of Abraham and so many people like to be so, they like to humanize people greater than I think they should, because I like to give people more credit because God gave people credit. Mm -hmm. So if he said that he counted all these things to Abraham for righteousness, I like to think that Abraham knew in his spirit that like, look, I don't know what the Lord is going to do, but I know the Lord told me that the blessing was coming through this child. So I know we're going up here, but we're coming back together. Cause when you read that scripture, he said, we are coming back. We're going to go up, but we will be back. That's what he told the servants. And so when Isaac is asking, he's like, Hey dad, like we have everything we need. Like, where's the land for the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it's going to be you, my son. He said the Lord will provide. And so that in itself was like an element of faith, but he still was willing to go through it because he was like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to go to Canaan. I don't know where we're going, but I love you. So I'm going. I don't know what you're doing with the sacrifice thing, but I love you more because like you've been good to me. You have been all these things to me. You're good. I'm just going to do it. And so that in itself shows love, you know? And so man <laughs> yeah <laughs> you brought up the idolatry situation uh which brings up a good point in relation to abraham so the fact that they didn't want to give up the fact that they loved their mother and father so much showed that they had a commitment to something so that says to me that you have the capacity to do yes something. 
you don't have right. the desire to do it once you switch lanes, which is the issue that we're discussing. Right. Today, right? <laughs> because you, Man, you have and the like, ability, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And in prime example, so even though I keep falling back on Abraham, because that's who I, you know, all this keeps bringing me back to, but New Testament, how many disciples did he approach and literally say, follow me? That's all he said, follow me. They left their father. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, let me go, let me get them situated, let me take them back home. They left straightway, what the word says, straightway, immediately. They left and followed God. And so I'm just saying, like, even in situations like that, um, it's not like the Lord is even putting us in positions like that to be like, okay, leave your mom right now, leave your dad. Like, you know, he's doing things in different ways in our current era, but he's still putting us in positions to evaluate where our hearts are when it comes to, you know, our family. Yeah. Uh, I, I was uh, reminded of this quote uh, from this book. It's called A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life by William Law. He says this. He says, if you will stop here and ask yourselves why you are not as pious as the early Christians were, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. Mm. Mm. Now, if that don't slap you in the face right there and say, uh, <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's, uh, it's everything you're saying. I mean, we have the, the capacity and the ability to do something. We just don't want to. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. I mean, it's at this point, it's disobedience, because if you can hear and receive you're you're only disobedient because you want to or you really don't know that you are being disobedient but once you come in contact with the word if you've heard and received disobedience is not a part of that equation (laughs) right the only thing you can do is be obedient i mean that's the only outcome that could come of that if you are in christ i mean honestly at the end of the day we are everything you're saying about having the capacity to do good and do the right things is true because we're already doing everything that pertains to righteousness, living by faith and godliness, but we're either offering it, um, like Roman says, you're either offering your members unto righteousness or unrighteousness. You're already doing everything by faith, but is it by faith in God or faith in another God? Is it faith in your the God of your belly? Like you're doing it to something. You're ex- exercising your members, you're offering things, you're, you know how to praise. I mean, even in that sense, if we want to talk about offering praise and and sacrifices of praise, you sacrifice praise every Sunday afternoon when you're rooting for your favorite team, whether it's football or basketball. You know how to Mm -hmm. praise then, you know, you know how to clap your hands and shout and jump to your feet and do all these things. But when you get into the house of God, you don't want to even raise your hand. You don't want to clap. You don't you're you're looking around at who's looking at you. And I mean, we don't know how to praise God in, in, in a house of a corporate body of people that claim they believe and love the Lord, you know? So, I mean, we have everything in us that is um, already initiated to be able to do these things unto God, but it's just, are we choosing to offer it unto him or not? Yeah. I think, I think of King David, you know, when he um, was, was getting uh, ridiculed by his wife uh, mm-hmm. for dancing in the, in the courtyard when he got the Ark of the Covenant back, you know, he was in the right. presence of God and he said, I'll be even more undignified than this, <laughs> you know, come on here just to say that, hey, look, I have no problem letting myself loose when it comes to the things of God. And yet we're so free. Like, we don't even think about it. Like, if we're at the full, like you said, 
for a sporting event or we're at the club or what have you, we'll act a fool in any stretch. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes yes. to God, it's like we have to be so in this box and, and feel like, oh, well, I don't know if I should do that or I, I don't like all of a sudden we're a different person, which, yes, nature, our nature is different. We are defined as 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 not having, uh, like you said, our, our members not yielding itself to unrighteousness. But our character in terms of who we are and the, the capacity to do things is still the same, because just like you said, we're offering whether it's one or the other. So what we're able to do, <laughs> we still can do that. We just choose who we're doing it for. Um, exactly. Yeah, so good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, my twin. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Okay, so we were talking about love for God. What about when it comes to loving for others, though? I mean, how does that equate to our love for others, in your opinion? Um, I think it's realizing... Um, the importance of what others do um, in our life. And I know kind of a, a reoccurring scripture for me um, these last couple of years has just been Hebrews 10, um, where we're supposed to stir one another to love and good work. So that says a couple of things to me, but um, kind of just in a nutshell is that we need one another. Um, so if I need you and if my presence is requested, it has to be for a purpose. Um, and so mm-hmm. to be able to operate in a spirit of love and to have the right mindset when I'm around other people, um, I have to be intentional. Um, and so and even when I think about the Gospels, how, you know, Christ said that when you when you serve these people, it's as if you're serving and doing this unto me. So um, I, I just think about the fact that, um, you know, we can't love God, but then hate our brother. <laughs> you know, we, we can't right. love God and then not want to do or not think about being selfless when it comes to other people. Um, you know, it says, you know, if you can love a God who you cannot see, how can you not love somebody who you can see? Um, so, right. um, yeah, I, I just think about the fact that, um, you know, we think a lot about first Corinthians 13, but how much of that are we actually meditating on and saying, man, like I am selfish, man, I am, um, unkind, man. I, I, I do, um, you know, not put others before myself. I mean, we can go through each one of those and think about the fact that, like how many of those are we failing at doing each and every day through our response right. to one another? And that causes disunity because it, it fractures relationships. And so um, if we could just even just take that chapter and just every day, just think about, man, like how can I make sure that love is the action that I'm portraying when I'm communicating? Um, it would change the entire conduct of that, that relationship. So um, yeah, we, we can't look at Christ one way and look at people a different way when those are his people. Yeah. Um that is really good because scriptures like the that Corinthians 13 and um, even Galatians 5, those to me, when I see those, I always think about them as checklists um, for myself, but I also suggest it as personal checklists that we all should be like self-examining because, you know, like you said, you should be going through that. And as you read it, like, do I suffer long? Am I kind? Do I envy? Am I um, someone who sounds like puffed up? Do I behave unseemly? Do I seek my own? And you have to be like, you can't just read it and just like be generic. You have to be real. Mm -hmm. Like you really have to be real. Like this is not nobody else in your face asking you this. This is not your mom or your pastor in front of you. This is you and the Lord really and truly. Like if you can't be real for you, come on. Yeah. I mean, you can even try to front for God. It don't matter. 
he knows the real anyway. But if you can't even be real for you when you're looking at stuff, I mean, come on. So you have to be able to look at this and just know like, dang, I am easily provoked. Man, I do behave unseemly sometimes. I do seek my own. I am a selfish person. Like, I do think evil. Like, you have to... You have to be able to read this and know when it says a certain stuff, you know, that you really are what you see when you read this. And I always say, like, when we read the word, we are something in here. You're either doing it or you're not doing it, period. And so, of course, we want to be able to read the scripture and not feel convicted and not be like, you know, dang, like, I need to get that together. But if that is you, praise the Lord, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> praise the Lord, because he let you live to read that, to see that and then check it and get it together. But don't be like, oh, man, that's me. And then just keep going as if you don't have to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> like, oh, that is me. That. But you know what? I don't mind. I don't mind that. Like, that's it's all good. Like, that is me. But I'm cool with that. Like, the Lord loves me and he knows me. No, yeah, yeah. no. He <laughs> knows. But he knows you need to get it right, yeah. too. OK, no, it's not acceptable unto Christ. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's funny because <laughs> that's the one thing I wanted to point out about that is that usually when you point out a flaw and you say hey you, you know you're, you're not acting in love in this manner then it, there's always a well it's because and it's like and there's no because like <laughs> acknowledge that you're not like it ain't jesus ain't saying uh suffer long except in this circumstances are you suffering long? yes I'm saying, like so if if you're able to say well it's because you've already admitted that you're doing it right <laughs> which, which means at that point Oh whatever I mean and, and I think you know it, it's funny but in a real sense like this is the one scripture that everybody goes in terms of marriage right like everybody talks about first Corinthians and you go to a wedding right you've probably heard this this passage right so let's just take it in that context so like if you can go to this and and most people that's their sermon for the wedding that means you're committing and vows to that right so when you're being checked right. and saying hey you're not doing this then what does that mean at that point like hey that means I don't care what the excuse is. I committed and vowed to do that. So I have to check myself. You don't get to look at the other mm-hmm. person and say, well, it's because blah, 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 blah. And then forcing them to make the change and forcing them to adhere to the, the vow. But you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. We, it's not you know what? Yeah. And you, as you're saying that, I'm hearing our children. You know, nieces, nephews, our actual children, other people's kids. What happens when kids get into it? When you ask them as a parent, like, well, why did you, or did you do X, Y, well, because X, Y, he, he did this to me or she said, no, but you know better. Mm-hmm. It don't matter what they did. You know better. So even in what you're saying, you're right, because they may not say, yes, I did do that. They just say, because he did it first did or it because too. she hit me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that you're not denying it. it. <laughs> exactly. All of y'all are supposed yeah. to be doing this. Here, and so it just makes me feel like we're just big children. Yeah. We really are anyways, but that's exactly what we do still to mm-hmm. this day. Like, as you were saying that, that's the thought that came yeah, to me. Because it makes me think of, of, of Psalm 73 and how, you know, Asaph, like he, um, he talks about, man, like, why did the wicked prosper and all this? And like, <laughs> it makes me think of that one time when I got a speeding ticket. I was like the third car in line and I got pulled over. I'm like, why you don't pull the car that's like right in front of you? Like, I got pulled over. And I remember getting upset, but then I'm like, well, I was speeding. Like, I wish all four of us could have a ticket. But like, I had to fall back and be like, well, I mean, I, I was in the, among that number. So I don't get to look and say, well, if it's it's all or none, I got caught. I should have got caught. We all should, but 
That's beside right. the point. Like they'll have their time, you know, they'll do it again and they'll get caught. But we have to think about, like you said, self-evaluate. It's me. It's me. If I was wrong, deal with my wrong. I don't get to justify my wrong because someone else was also wrong. It's I was wrong. Deal with it. Yeah. And that's a whole other topic, but I mean, not everybody gets the same mercies either, so. Colossians 3, verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So if I'm excusing my love in 1 Corinthians 13, I am no longer harmonious. Mm -hmm. Point blank. I mean, the Bible has to become so real to us that we are imparting truths from it. To, to be able to convict and challenge us to say, okay, just like you said, self-evaluation. This is what it says. This is what it means. So if that's the case, which side of the fence am I on? Like you said. <laughs> and if right. I'm not in harmony, why? Am I showing love the way that I could be? Am I yeah. able to do this? So, And that's where the spirit comes in. I mean, we're it's easy for us right here to, to say, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z. But the Lord has given us that. I believe it says that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have the capacity to be able to rise above whatever circumstances we have. We can easily say, man, it's hard. It's difficult. I don't like that person. It it makes me uncomfortable. I'm embarrassed. We can say all of those things, but I don't believe the Bible was written Mm -hmm. to address our flaws. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And say, well, I mean, even like Moses. Yeah. Why are you using me? I can't speak. I'm this, I'm that. Like the Lord has given us the ability to do what He has called us to do. So yes, it is super hard to abide by room for, by First Corinthians thirteen in all circumstances. Yes, do, have I wanted to slap somebody before? Absolutely. Did somebody get on my nerves? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but does that? I mean, did I? Act on it? No. What did I do when that moment came though? And so that's 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 the emphasis is. Are we being progressively changed? Are we progressively changing? Are we willing to say, okay, God, like, I know I'm not perfect. I'm not one of those, well, oh, well, God's still working on me. I know he's working on me, but I don't use that as a crutch to say, well, because he is working exactly. on me, I get to fail. <laughs> because I think that's the way that people use that. Yeah. Say, well, I'm not perfect, so I'm going to show imperfection and be okay with it because right. I am imperfect. Uh, I don't think that's the context. So I think you might want to reconsider that. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think with, without evaluating, without recognizing that the spirit is not looking at it the same way you're looking at it. Again, it goes right back to mindset. Like everything is a renewing of the mind. How we perceive these things are not the same way that Christ is expecting us to perceive them. And we have to be wanting to look at that and realize when we're wrong. Yeah. Can I just say, though, this kind of in a nutshell is my thought for this point, because Earlier, you were talking about um, sacrifice and what sacrifice really is. But can I just say that sometimes sacrifice is obedience. Mm -hmm. That is the sacrifice to be obedient. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so just what you're saying, like, have I wanted to slap somebody? Yes. The sacrifice is to not (laughs) slap somebody. So I am being obedient by not slapping you. (laughs) So, I mean, just to show love and walk in love and be the bigger person and because so-and-so did and so-and-so is getting away with and -and so-and-so it don't matter that they're doing and what they're doing I still have to be righteous and I still have to do what the Lord wants me to do and what the Lord has called me to do and what I know I'm supposed to be doing regardless of what somebody else is or is not doing that sometimes is the um the sacrifice and that does hurt you know it Mm -hmm. is a it's not easy you know, so that's not a cheap sacrifice. That's not a generic sacrifice. It's real. That is a living sacrifice because that's alive and it hurts. 
And and I think that's, you know, even people hearing this might think, man, like, they wanted to slap somebody? Like, are they doing a podcast? Like, <laughs> even in that, like, I think we have to, we look at it as if, like, even our, our desires, <laughs> like, we can't be human in that. Like, yeah, I wanted to slap somebody, but it doesn't mean, like you said, the fact that I didn't carry it out doesn't mean that I'm better because I thought about it. <laughs> like, that, I think that's the progression at one point, I probably and like, again, yes, back to thoughts. <laughs> Those are things that you could dwell on and you could choose like, man, I, I want to slap this person yeah. every day, every hour. Are you dwelling on the thought that you want to slap somebody or did it just come at that moment and then you let it go? Like, did yes. you arrest it? Mm-hmm. Did you, you know, bring it captive? What did you do with it? So like, you're not wrong for certain things coming into mind if you're not living on them and meditating on those things. If you're doing what you're supposed to do with them, as we're taught and instructed by the word, that's what we're supposed to be sharing the stuff for, not to be like relating like, dang, like, man, I want to slap people. So, you know, sometimes I feel like people who claim Christ, because I'm not going to call them Christians, but people who claim Christ will say things to try to be real and relatable. And they're saying things that are a lot worse than what we're talking about right now, which, you know, slapping somebody is very mediocre compared to some of the other things I've heard church people say um in in terms of trying to be real and relatable i mean they're super real and super relatable and it's not okay um but that to me is you trying to give license to people to to, like you said stay in that um god is still working on me we're not all nobody's arrived this and that okay we all know that no matter if you've been on the earth for five thousand years you're methuselah you're whoever okay no one's arriving until we arrive in heaven. Okay. So let's just get that out the window. We know that nobody has arrived. We're not trying to say nobody has arrived. If we are seeking God, he said, be holy and be perfect as I am holy and as I am perfect. So we are supposed to be perfected as we're being renewed by God, period. And yes, I'm saying the word perfect because the Bible said that, and that's the word it said. And he said for the perfecting of the saints, which means that we are being perfected, period. So it is something I'm allowed to say. It is something I'm allowed to strive for. Um, being a perfectionist is not always a bad thing because it means that you're striving for better and good or better things. You know what I'm saying? Like things that are excellent. So yes, that is a good thing. And we shouldn't um, down people or try to act like they're holier than thou because they're pursuing. They are probably <laughs> holier than you because the Lord, the Lord even said in the word that the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor. So, I mean, yes, they're not putting that in an arrogant way, but if you are pursuing holiness and someone else isn't, then yes, you are. And, and you should have the freedom to, to feel vulnerable enough to say, like, like you said, like my desire to want to do something sinful changes just because I mentioned it doesn't mean I want to carry it out. And, and you have people that will say, man, like i if I was in my past life, I would have slapped you. Like, so you're even the fact that you thought about it. And then now you said it out loud, like you're still carrying that spirit. Whereas like my initial thought is like, man, like I'm, I'm so angry that I want to do something hurtful, but now I'm, I'm repenting in my spirit. I'm falling back and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to handle it the right way. So right. I, I think, like you said, yeah, there, there's definitely a progression of like, yeah, I want to do something because that's the anger in me, but the Bible says be angry and sin not. So I get to now take my thoughts. Yes. And, and have my faith tested to what do I do with that? Not, hey, I have a thought and I can go as exactly. far as I want to go and then say, well, the Lord is, is the Lord knows. 
well, so do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, so let's, let's stop, you know what I mean? And, and so I think that's where, like, we try to put so much emphasis on, like, well, God knows me. God knows that I struggle with that. Do you know you struggle with that? Because <laughs> the Lord knows, and there's scriptures that, that speak to you having to address that struggle. If you can acknowledge it, you should be accountable to handling that situation. Not to say, well, it, it's something that I deal with, and so right. I'm going to just continue to, to act on it and, and live it out and not be repentant about that. Nah, I, I think you're 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 playing with God. You know what I'm saying? That's that's grieving the Holy Spirit. You're playing with grace. Like that's not how we do things. So, yes, it's okay to to be honest and vulnerable. But what do we do in those moments? And how are we addressing those? Because we are flawed. We as flesh, we're gonna fail. We're gonna we're gonna upset the Lord. But what do we do in those moments? And are we truly repentant? And is our heart in the right place to want to correct those faults and go back and reconcile when we find ourselves falling short? And yeah, the point I want to say about the struggle is this, because, you know, there's too many people that say they're struggling, they're struggling. Do you intend to struggle until you die? Do you intend to claim that you are going to heaven um, with that struggle, like to the end of your life? There should not be something that we are, we are struggling with so bad that we cannot um, break free of that. Like, I mean, I just, I personally just do not believe that that's what we're bound to. I believe that if you pursue being free from things where the mm -hmm. spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And if you put yourself in position to be in God's presence and, and abiding in him and in his word, how is it that your struggle can coexist with, with the presence and the power of God? Like it cannot, like at some point you are forsaking it and you're going to let it go. And it's going to, it's going to depart from you. It's going to lift off of you. I mean, I just believe that there's just no way that you could tell me that. And so the thing that I find that people try to, you know, fall back to are just the errors and the faults of certain biblical people. Um, they did one thing or they did two things that they um, got chronicled for to show that clearly they were mere men as we are to show that all of us have strayed at one point in time, but not to highlight them to say like, look, they weren't perfect either. That's not what that's for. It's to let you know that they were still loved by God. They were still considered honorable and righteous and all these things that God applauded them for and that they were worthy to be talked about to give us a foundation for our faith. You know what I mean? And so for you to sit here and look at all these people and say, well, David was an adulterer. And so was, why does he have to be known as that? Why can't he be known for the other stuff that he did? We always want to fall back on that when it benefits us for being adulterous, you know, when it benefits us for, for doing stuff that was similar to what he did. We can't do that. And so I just feel like people sometimes want that crutch of the struggle so that they don't have to ever come out of it. And you can always like, why are you not pursuing more than that? Why do you always want to live a life of struggle? We don't have to in God's kingdom. Like that's not his will and plan. And especially if we're supposed to be helping somebody else, like what do you look like being perpetually in struggle, but yet you feel like, yeah, I got, I, I, I want to help people. Help them with what? How do you want to help them if you don't even want to help you? Yeah, I, I, I got my finger right here on Romans. Uh, Romans 7 is exactly what you're saying, that people want to say, well, that there's a struggle between uh, being carnal and being spiritual. There's law war between our members. But I like to respect that, but then also go to Romans 8, which says, um, where is it at here? Um that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Um, let's see, let me go down a little bit more too. Um, 
but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Um, if the spirit of, of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So there's so many things like in chapter eight that goes to the fact of like, yes, there is a struggle. There is a law, but we are not bound by that. And although we sin and we will fall short, the condemnation obviously is gone. Like we're, we're set free. But now we also have to then continue to right. walk towards the spirit and be willing to be regenerated and progressively changing. Um, and, and that's the mindset that we have to have. So it's not um, glorifying the struggle, like you're saying. It's now we're glorifying God and saying, OK, Lord, I'm walking towards you. Yes, I'm, I'm I should be looking less like that person and more like you. And if I'm not seeing that and I'm continuing to glorify the past, then I don't think I have an accurate representation of, of what you did on the cross and where where I'm supposed to be going. Right. That's true. So a lot has been said. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, this is kind of going to be my favorite part of the the podcast, which is um, family matters um, and just applications. So understanding that, um, you know, everything that's been said and a, a lot of passion and, and zeal has gone into really just kind of explaining um, you know, maybe some, some of the pitfalls that us as, as the body have, um, what are some things that just in terms of just application, um, what is just some things that are on your mind in that? The biggest thing for me, like I had mentioned a little bit earlier is just self-examination. And honestly, this is anytime you hear us or anytime you hear anybody that's conveying truth from the word of God or anything that's a principle from the word of God. Um, self-examination. Um, I'm, I think of James chapter one, and I really just want to leave people with this thought of James chapter one, um, in verse 23 and 24, it says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass for he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway or immediately forgets what manner of man he was. And so the Bible is our mirror. It's literally us looking into a mirror and seeing ourselves where we are, what we look like. And so to hear this word that we have spoken, to hear the word that you'll hear on a Sunday service, your next Bible study, whatever time that you gather to hear the word, whether by yourself or with a group, um, for you to hear it and not do anything with what you heard is going to be like you looking in a mirror and walking away and forgetting what you look like. And for us, both of us, my brother and I, you know, our heart is that people be impacted. You know, everything we say, we hope, I mean, we have so much zeal and passion for everything that we talk about, which is why when we get together, it's always such a, a man, it's, <laughs> it's an experience when we're together in person or not, but um, the zeal is always felt when we're together and it's always witnessed by people who are around us when we're together. Um, but the whole purpose is for you to be impacted and the impact should, um, initiate a change in your life in positive change at that. And so, you know, hopefully something that is heard from what we've talked about today, um, it will help you examine your situation, whether it's your, your actual household, you know, whatever your family, uh, situation looks like, um, examine your place in unity, your place in love, examine yourself, period. And 
see where you are when it comes to all the things that we talked about, or maybe not every single point, you know, maybe one thing stuck out to you that you really should examine yourself about and go your way, but don't forget what you looked like when you first heard it. Like, don't go away from it knowing that you were wretched and then stay wretched. Or, you know, it's like I was telling my brother earlier, um, it's like waking up in the morning going in the bathroom and seeing that you look like a hot mess, but you still decide to leave the house looking like that. Did you forget what you look like or you just don't care? So hopefully there's something in what we have spoken that really challenges, you know, to really want to do something. That's good. That's good. Um, (laughs) Just this whole uh, operation, you know, I was kind of thinking about how when I first started preaching, I would use so many scriptures because it's like, man, I I felt like I had something great to say, you know, to challenge the believers. And so I would use so much scripture to back up. So I didn't want people to think that it was just my opinion. (laughs) And so, you know, we were kind of all over the place, but just like, man, like the Lord says this, the Lord said this, you know, the Bible says this. And, um, you know, I felt it was almost like to validate, like, Hey, this is not just an opinion of like, man, like we wish people were, were heard what we said, but it's more so like, I think God throughout his, his word, you know, has given us, you know, the, the ability to cross reference to say like, my message has not changed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, that whole self-evaluation, uh, you know, for me, just to, to add to that, um, you know, I would challenge, you know, the listeners to, to really just read the entire chapter of Ephesians four. Um, so much there, um, you know, talks about unity. You know, obviously this, this whole podcast was talking about family ties of Brian. And so as we talk about, you know, being one body um, and what the, the, the point of the church is um, I, I think, um, you know, one, I, I think it's really a, a good um, initial podcast and a good topic. Uh, but even secondly, just as we get into, you know, further topics and we talk about just kind of this application, which I, I think will be a key component to, um, you know, not just hearing two passionate people talk about it, but then, okay, how does that relate to me? Because maybe you're not that passionate about it at this point in time, but maybe you should. And maybe that's the evaluation that you're talking about is this is not, I'm not passionate because I want to be passionate. I'm passionate because I believe this is what the word says. Right. Um, and so um, as you, as you go into Ephesians four, I would just kind of challenge you with a couple of things. And um, I know most people don't take notes when they're, they're podcasting, but just to kind of wrap your mind around something. Um, I, I, I saw three things in there that I thought was super key. Um, so I just kind of broke up the chapter in, in three sections and um, it's, it's one recognize your present, um, which is our calling, right? You know, the Bible says in, in Ephesians 4, 1 is that we walk worthy of the vocation where we were called. So we understand that we were called. We're not only called into the body of Christ. He selected us. Like you talked about Abraham, he chose him. So we have to recognize where we are today. Um, and that's verses one through 16. Um, number two is we have to renounce our past. So we have to give up who we used to be, like you said, um, our ways are not God's ways. Like we have to discard who we used to be and, and not continue to walk in our old man. Um, verse 22 um, says that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which we talked about that earlier in Romans. And that we put on the new man, which is after God, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So secondly, renouncing our past, um, and thirdly, reconciling in peace. So as we put on that new man, we have to understand that that's a new way of living. Um, and none of this would be able to be possible if we don't understand that we have to give up something. Sacrifice again. Um, we have to sacrifice something in order to put on something else. So um, just three things um, that I think will probably help you remember that is put off. So it says put off your old self, put on, put on your new self. 
And then thirdly, put away bitterness, clamor, anger, slander, and wrath. So um, I know we were kind of finishing this this talk about um, things that people kind of just kind of wallow in and they kind of accept that struggle. But the Bible says put that away. So you're taking something off. You're putting something on. You also have to move something away from you. So it's easy to say that. Um, and, and it's funny because I actually had this conversation with my kids. We were actually going through Ephesians. And I likened it to a jacket. And so I put a jacket on a hanger and I said this. I said, okay, so this is indicative of your life. So this is your jacket. If you take the jacket off, you now put it on a hanger. But what happens is that now you still have the jacket. You can still see it. But now I'm going to go put it in the closet. I'm going to, I'm going to shut the door. Mm, we have to put it away good. from us. And what we do is we just take it off, but we're still staring at it. I'm like, man, I like that jacket. That jacket's a lot. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to yeah. leave it away from us. And, and, and maybe for some of us, it's like, oh, it's still right. in the closet. I just walk over there and grab it. But I would challenge you to say, like, where are you putting that? What are you willing to do? Like, are we willing to put that in the right. and say, this is no longer a part of me. Like, I have to realize that I put on my new self and that old jacket doesn't fit. Just like the Bible talks about, you can't, what um, was the wineskin um, uh, parable? Then? Old, yeah. New wine and old yeah. wineskin. <laughs> it's like that. It's like we, we try to, you know, come into Christ and instead of like, well, I could still be my old self. It's like, well, I don't think that's the way that works. So we have to realize that the things that we used to do, like that old manner of life is corrupt, according to Ephesians 4. So if it's corrupt, we can't bring corruption <laughs> into a new self. Um, and so, right. um, yeah, I mean, I, that would say that's the, the challenge and the application um, is, is to recognize um, who we are now and who we used to be and that we can't be that way anymore. And, and if God, who is our life, um, we have to be hidden in that. And who is Christ? And if Christ is our ultimate picture of, of I want to say success for lack of a better word, but if Christ is our ultimate picture of, of holiness and righteousness and sanctification, what did he do in those moments when he was challenged, right? We can look at the 40 days fasting. We can look at, you know, so many different scenarios where he was challenged and he, yet he was perfect and sinless. And so there is a way for us right. to go through life where we have an example. And even as you mentioned, Abraham and some of these other pioneers of the faith, uh, the Bible says that these stories were written not for history, but for an example so that we don't go make the same mistakes that they did. Yes. So <laughs> if, if that is for us and we able to see like, man, yes, God still used these people. But he didn't deify their their actions, their sins. He said David was known as a man after his own heart. So if that's what God is looking at, we can't look at David and say, yeah, well, David was out there wilding. Yeah, he was. Thank you. <laughs> but do you want to constantly right. be, if, if the Bible says Romans 8, that there's now, therefore now no condemnation, if you were in Christ, we can't continue to carry somebody's sin and say, well, that's the that's what I know him as. Um, you know, Thank and, you. and that's where we have to get to the places is yes, we are going to fall short, but if we continue to, to deify the shortcomings, we will never allow reconciliation to happen. We will never be unified because we're looking at it in a natural sense. And God doesn't look at us that way, even though we fell and we will be, that's, that's God's vengeance and his way of how he's going to deal with that. But we look at it in such a, a negative light that we don't allow anyone to ever recover or be restored because we want to continue to just leave that as a placeholder. And God is not like that. So uh, mm -hmm. for us to, to unify, we have to realize that we, we have to have the mind of Christ. So I, I love how you, you brought that into play. And um, yeah, man, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, awesome. to walking alongside the body of Christ in unity and just seeing um, and anticipating what um, a message like this as people re hear, receive and then obey, um, having a more fruitful life amongst the body of Christ. Absolutely. So, well, with that, um, 
I want to pray for us. Um, you know, I think it's important that um, you know when we when we come in contact with um, truth um, that we allow the Spirit to do His part because it's it's easy for two people to to share an opinion that although godly um, and for the purpose of exhortation that we allow the Spirit to have His way. So, um, Lord, I thank you so much um, for um, for you. Um, I thank you, Lord, that um, these are your words. Um, that this is your uh, Bible that we're able to depart from. It's not um, her bro or his sis that's saying this, um, but it's it's the words of, of Christ and, and the uh, God-inspired word of God. And so we want to, um, we want your people um, and us included, though we are part of that number. Uh, we're not exempt from uh, doing anything that your word says, and we don't come um, as experts either. Um, but we do come as uh, two passionate, two God-loving individuals that desire for your body to be impacted, to be fruitful, to be mature, to be without spot or wrinkle. So, Lord, um, help us to be um, that spotless church, Lord, that you can be pleased with God. Um, when we find areas that we fall short or that we um, have slipped up, um, Lord, may we self-evaluate, Lord. And even if it comes from someone else and, and they've seen it and they brought it up, Lord, let us have the right spirit to receive that. Um, and then even just as we, we talked about here, receive and obey, the next line in that would be for us to be obedient, um, regardless of where it comes from. So, Lord, help us to just remember those three attributes to hear, to receive and obey and always be uh, willing to be obedient to your word uh, by the spirit of God. Uh, empower us uh, to be the men and women that you want us to be. And until next time, we love you. And we give you the praise in Jesus name. Amen. 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 To God be the glory. So we're. So we're so glad that you all decided to, to listen to this episode and we would love to hear from you. So if you are not already following us on social media, please follow us on Facebook. You just go on facebook.com slash her bro, his sis. And the same thing on Instagram. We're on Instagram as well. So just type in her bro, his sis, and you can find us there. We would love to hear your comments and see your messages. Um, as we already have been enjoying interacting with those of you who've already been sending us your feedback. So we love you guys so much. We're praying for you, praying with you, and we're looking forward to reconnecting with you um, online until next time. 